Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey guys, this is episode 16 of Trash Talk with TK. In this episode, we'll talk a little bit about the NBA Conference Finals, two game sevens over the weekend, and of course, Cavs and Warriors advance the finals for the fourth straight year. Talk a little bit about those games and just the greatness of LeBron James on Saturday night. Incredible. Most incredible player I've ever seen. Talk a little bit about that. Also talk about what LeBron could do in the offseason, whether this impacts his decision, the Cavs reaching the finals, and also the Phillies' big road trip upcoming in the next week or so, a devastating loss in L.A. on Monday night. We will talk about all that over the course of the episode. Thanks for listening. Let's go. So we're going to start with Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals last night in Houston. Warriors beat the Rockets, advanced to the NBA Finals for the fourth consecutive year. And, you know, the Rockets had a lead at halftime. Second half came out and put up one of the worst shooting displays you will see in the history of uh, of the NBA. Like, statistically almost impossible especially for a team who's built and is so reliant and so dependent and making their three-point shots. The Rockets came out and had a streak in that game where they missed 27 consecutive, 27 consecutive three-point shots. Wouldn't refuse to do anything else offensively. And this is the problem with a team where you're so reliant on making that three-point shot. You're so reliant on making that shot that when it's not falling, you don't know what else to do. And the Rockets were so insistent on continuing to just gun away, fire away from three, that they weren't trying to get anything else going offensively. I don't think the Warriors really did anything special On the defensive end of the floor, I don't think it was some kind of Herculean defensive effort from the Warriors in that game. It was just the Rockets couldn't make anything. Trevor Ariza, 0 for 9. He misses his last 18 shots in this series. And much like Game 6, even though Game 6, I thought it was much more of the Warriors just going crazy in the second half and playing really well to storm back and beat the Rockets in that game. Game 7, I didn't think the Warriors were that great. I thought a lot of it was just the Rockets couldn't make shots. They couldn't get anything going offensively. They couldn't get stops when they really needed them on the defensive end. And obviously, a huge deal in this series, the injury to Chris Paul. And it's just so disappointing As an objective basketball fan, you know, I guess some people are annoyed with the Warriors, didn't want to see them go back to the finals. But 
a lot of people, just as objective NBA basketball fans, were deprived of what could have been a fantastic series and which should have been a much more thrilling end of the series. And who knows what would have happened? Really, you can play the the game where you look back and say, oh, if Chris Paul was healthy, the Rockets would have won, maybe. Who knows? The, the Rockets may have won the series. They certainly would have had a much better chance, especially in Game 7 at home. I thought Game 6 on the road was going to be tough for the Rockets to win regardless, but Game 7 at home could have been much different if Chris Paul was on the floor. And the it was a huge blow for a team with the Rock, like the Rockets where losing a guy like Chris Paul will hurt any team in a major way because he is a superstar player and he is one of the focal points on whatever team he, he's on. But especially a team like the Rockets who they play seven guys. Mike D'Antoni, before Chris Paul got hurt, he was playing the same seven guys all series long. He'd bring Gerald Green and, and Eric Gordon off the bench and they were the only bench guys to see minutes. And when you lose a guy like Chris Paul and you're already incredibly short-handed, it's not an ideal situation to go to guys who are cold, who have not logged a lot of minutes in the last, what, month to two months. You know, and then he's got to go in desperation to guys like Ryan Anderson. And he's got to go in desperation to guys like Joe Johnson, who seems like he's 80 years old at this point. But just a very disappointing end to what was shaping up to be a fantastic series. I mean, when the Rockets won Game 4 and Game 5, and I gotta say, I didn't believe in the Rockets all year. I still, despite the fact that they may have choked a little bit in Game 7, because I don't know how else you really describe a three-point shooting team missing 27 straight threes, other than at least some of that being an element of choking. But... I was impressed with the Rockets in this series. I didn't think they could even be that competitive. And when they won a tough game four on the road, won a tough close game five at home in a game the Warriors really wanted, they didn't want to go back home down 3-2 and know they'd have to go back to Houston for a game seven. I was impressed with what the Rockets did up till that point in the series, especially defensively, doing a pretty good job on Golden State, but... You saw in the second half of Game 6 and you saw in the second half of Game 7 why the Warriors are such a juggernaut and why they are one of the greatest teams of all time, why they've been to the finals for now four straight years. Probably going to win a third title in four years because you can keep them down for a little while. But it's really tough to keep them down all game. Eventually, they will start to hit. And in this series, you know, Kevin Durant, who I think everybody would kind of acknowledge is the best player on that team and one of the best players in the NBA. I personally think he's the second best player in the league. He wasn't even the Warriors' best player in game six or seven of this series. It was Klay Thompson. It was Steph Curry who really were able to jumpstart their offense by hitting threes, getting them going, and when the Warriors get hot, they can go on run so quickly. And you saw it in the third quarter where the Rockets were up five, up six, 
And then Steph Curry and Klay Thompson get on a run, and boom, you're down 10. And it's really hard to play against a team that way. And, you know, this it, it's, it's tough to watch when you see a team who wasn't great in this series, did not, I don't think, play up to their capabilities. The Warriors have such firepower that they should be better, I think, in a lot of ways than they played throughout the, the vast part of this series. But in the end, talent wins out, and they are so immensely talented that they can come back and they can and they can crush you at any time. And the Rockets, they easily could have won that game last night, but you know, they just couldn't make shots. They couldn't get stops when they needed them. And even though the Warriors, I don't think, played their best basketball in this series, they still win the series. And that's what's so horrifying about them. They didn't play their best all series long. The the best the Warriors played was in the second half of game six. They outscored Houston 64 to 25 in that second half. But other than that, I didn't think you saw, I don't think you saw the best of the Golden State Warriors. And they still found a way to win the series. A lot of that is can be attributed to Chris Paul going out. Who knows what would have happened? But the Golden State Warriors are returning to the finals. And I I don't know how most people feel about it. I, I, I don't enjoy watching the Rockets play. I don't enjoy their style of basketball. The ISO, dribble, 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 chuck up a three. I don't like seeing James Harden play for the foul every single play. By the way, the officiating in that game last night I thought was pretty dreadful. I, it was not a well-officiated game. But it would have... I understand people who would have liked to see new new life in the finals, would have liked to see the Rockets take on LeBron instead of Golden State and, and the Cavs again in a series that is a massive mismatch. It's just a horrible matchup for Cleveland. I mean, Golden State's a bad mismatch for anybody, but especially a one-man team like Cleveland. Golden State is a really, a really tough matchup. We'll preview that, but first, uh, I do want to touch on the Eastern Conference Finals. And what I found to be the more entertaining game on Sunday night, not a lot of scoring, not a very pretty game, but just watching LeBron James on Saturday, uh, Saturday night, stick it, stick a stake right in the heart of the city of Boston was one of the most beautiful things I've seen. That Boston crowd, those arrogant, ignorant fans in Boston, so confident, so chesty about their Celtics all playoffs. And LeBron went in in Game 7, a place where the Celtics had not lost all postseason, 10-0 record to that point in the playoffs. And LeBron went in and just crushed him. And that was a choke job, I think, in large part by the Celtics. Celtics end up scoring 79 points. They could not make any anything down the stretch. Jason Tatum was fantastic, but Terry Rozier was awful. And LeBron James, I don't care what anybody says, man. He's been in the argument for a long time, and, you know, I know people debate it back and forth forever about him and Jordan, and I've been a Jordan guy for a while. It's gotten closer every year, but LeBron James is the best basketball player I've ever seen. 
And he has had an enormous list of accomplishments in his career. I mean, littered, littered with accomplishments and triumphs and everything you can you can imagine. But I don't know if there's been a more impressive feat in LeBron James' career than dragging this team to an NBA Finals. This team around him is awful. They stink. Especially in a Game 7 when his second best player, Kevin Love, isn't even on the floor. You're out there with J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, Tristan Thompson, Jeff Green. Granted, Jeff Green had a good game, but he's still Jeff Green. And for LeBron to take this team to the NBA Finals is unbelievable. This team that wasn't even there in early February. When the Eagles won the Super Bowl, half of their roster was not even on the team. The day of the trade deadline, which was the day of the Eagles parade, the Cleveland Cavaliers decided they were going to rip apart their entire roster. They traded more than half their players, brought a weird mix of players back, and said, we'll try it with these guys. Brought back George Hill and Larry Nance, Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood. Clarkson and Hood aren't even getting minutes. They were thought to be the more attractive pieces they got back. But they're not even playing. These guys have barely played together, and LeBron has drugged this team to the NBA Finals. It's it's unbelievable. It is truly unbelievable. And the Boston Celtics go home. It's a beautiful thing. We'll see what Boston elects to do in the offseason. Danny Age said he doesn't anticipate anything other than a couple minor tweaks. But I don't know. I don't buy that. I think the Celtics are going to make a big-time run for Kawhi Leonard. And I'd like to see the Sixers do that as well. But thanks to good old Brian Colangelo and his trade-up to get Markel Fultz, the Celtics have that Kings pick next year, which is probably the most attractive asset either team has. And I think the Celtics are going to make a run for, for Kawhi Leonard, build around that pick, and whether they elect to trade Kyrie Irving, whether they elect to shop Jason Tatum, I, I mean, after this series, after this playoff run, I think the Celtics are probably pretty inclined to keep Jason Tatum. I mean, that kid's going to be a stud. But I think the Celtics are going to go out and make a run for Kawhi Leonard. And I think the Sixers are going to make a run at LeBron. And despite LeBron going to the finals... Because of what I talked about and that roster being god-awful and the fact that the Cavs really don't have much in terms of assets to improve their roster, I still think there's a good chance LeBron's going to leave. I really do. Because there is not much that they can do to improve that team. They don't have a ton in terms of valuable draft picks. They don't have a ton in terms of cap space. They don't have really attractive players with affordable contracts who are going to be enticing for other teams to take on. They're kind of stuck with what they have. And if LeBron's goal is to win finals, which I think is his main goal, to win the NBA finals, LeBron's been to eight straight finals. Going there is not enough for him. I truly don't believe that's what motivates him at the end of the day. I think he wants to win more NBA finals. You're not winning finals there. And real quick, uh, I mean... When you just look at this series coming up, the Cavs are majorly mismatched. 
Like I said, they don't have anything else other than LeBron on that team. If Kevin Love can't play, they really are shorthanded. And the Rockets couldn't beat the Warriors. The Rockets, who had the best record in the league all year. And yeah, they had a horrible shooting night in Game 7. And they were without Chris Paul, but they couldn't beat the Warriors. The Cavs aren't beating the Warriors. Cavs lost them five last year with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. I think this series is going to be a sweep. I mean, maybe LeBron can get one at home just because he's LeBron and he's that fantastic. But I don't see any way the Cavs win the series. And if if they lose embarrassingly and LeBron doesn't see a path to winning more championships and to beating teams like Golden State, I think he's going to leave. And that the question then becomes, where does he go? Where does he head? And I think the two most logical spots, I've said it for months, are the Sixers and Houston. Houston now will have a selling point saying, look how close we were to beating the Warriors. You are the final piece that we can bring in to take down a dynasty. And that's a LeBron, a guy who's very into legacy, very into narratives. That's a narrative you can sell him on as being the missing piece that can take down this Warriors dynasty that has dominated the last half decade in the NBA. But I think the Sixers are an appealing destination as well. And I don't understand the people who either don't want LeBron or don't think he'd fit here. They could make it work. Brett Brown said, if the player is that great, we can have two ball-dominant players. It can work. You saw in Houston this year it worked. James Harden and Chris Paul are two guys who need the ball often. It worked there. And people talk about it being a dilemma, LeBron coming here and Ben Simmons, how are they going to share the ball handling duties? That's even more of an issue if he goes to Houston. Because they already have Chris Paul and James Harden, two ball-dominant guys. How is LeBron James going to get enough on-ball time? So when people say it might not be a great fit with the Sixers, I think it's an even tougher fit with Houston. And I think it's certainly a possibility that LeBron comes here. When you look at Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Dario Sarge, Maybe a Markel Fultz coming back if he can get his head straight, which he better. This team could very easily go to the finals and have a far better shot at winning it than this Cavalier team this year. I think it's certainly a possibility for LeBron to come. And if the Sixers can't get Kawhi, which I've always said would be my top option because he's younger, you can have him for the next 5-10 to years in his prime. You don't know when LeBron's going to decline. It hasn't happened yet, but it's got to happen. But if you can't get Kawhi you got to go after LeBron James, and you got to go after him really hard. This isn't hard. This is not This is not rocket science, even though people want to make it out to be a, a dilemma. People want to you know, make it out to be, it'll be such a difficult fit for LeBron coming in here. Give me a break. A lot of people want to keep trotting out Robert Covington. Give me a break. You have the chance to get LeBron James, which I think the Sixers do. You go after him, and you go after him hard, and I think the Sixers will do just that. Now we'll talk about the Phillies. Phillies, a tough loss last night in L.A. So also last night, game one of the Phillies-Dodgers four-game series. Phillies lose just an absolute heartbreaker in L.A. One of their worst losses of the year up there with the opening game of the season. Phillies have a lead. Vince Velasquez pitches well, comes out after giving up his second run. Sir Anthony Dominguez, who this kid is just a beast out of the pen. I mean, you're looking at the future closer of the Phillies. 
And, you know, in the New Age baseball, I think I like how Gabe Kapler's using him, not using him just primarily in the ninth inning, but in big spots. Brought him in to get the last out of the sixth when Velasquez was in trouble. Got out of that, pitched a scoreless seventh. Um, and I like using your best reliever, and he is their best reliever right now, in the biggest situations of the game. But he gets them through seven. Then the eighth inning, man, just as disastrous of an inning as you will see. A pop-up to Cesar Hernandez that he completely just loses and just drops in. A ball short hops. Michael Franco gets up on him. Could have been an out. A, a ball gets by Scott Kingery in the hole. Guy would have scored anyway coming from third, but just a, a really disastrous inning, and the Phillies end up losing to the Dodgers 5-4. to four. And this road trip is, I think, critically important for them. I know it's only late May, early June, but there are points in the season where you find out about a team. And we're going to find some things out about the Phillies here in the next week or so. Four against the Dodgers, three this weekend in San Francisco against the Giants, and then they go for three in Chicago with the Cubs. And when you're playing these high-caliber, quality baseball teams, these veteran teams who know how to win, it's it's going to be interesting to see really where this team is. If they can come back from this with a, a above 500 record on the trip, it would be a really impressive feat. I think it's possible. It's just a shame to give one up last night. Vince Velasquez pitched well, and I'll tell you what, Vince Velasquez has pitched, for the most part, he has done a good job this year. I know people were ready to write him off, send him to the bullpen. I thought that was a possibility, and I thought really Memorial Day would be the point where they'd make a decision on it. I thought if if they got to, to Memorial Day and Velasquez was not getting the job done in the rotation, he'd be moved to the bullpen, but you're not doing that right now. He's done enough to keep a hold on that spot in the rotation, and the rotation as a whole has been pretty good. Pavetta has been up and down, but he's been fine. Nolan Arietti, you know what you're getting out of them. They're 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 two high caliber starters. And Eflin's been okay as well. So I I I think you you were in a decent spot with the rotation. The bullpen is good. Luis Garcia had a rough night last night. He was in in that eighth. Not all his fault, certainly. The defense behind him was not was not good. Hector Neris has been a problem. And this is where Pat Neshek is just killing you. They signed him back to, I believe it was a $16 million deal for one year. And I, I still think Pat Neshek did this team a horrible disservice when he obviously must have been feeling something in his arm, didn't say anything till opening day, and now he's been out two months. And did that against the plan accordingly? The bullpen hasn't hurt them a ton this year, but... Pat Neshek would be a very, you know, useful guy right now. He'd be another real reliable arm out of that pen that they are missing. And the issues have been more offensively than anything. Carlos Santana, who struggled early, is finally starting to come around. I, I think people really have got to get off the Santana was a horrible signing. He was not a horrible signing. He was the best bat out on the free agent market. 
And Matt Klintak, in an aggressive move where people killed him for not being aggressive, was aggressive, went out and got Carlos Santana. And yeah, Reese Hoskins has played the outfield, and, and people think that could be contrib contributing to his hitting struggles. But I don't think you can use that as an excuse. I mean, Carlos Santana was the best bat on the market. He happened to be a first baseman. Reese Hoskins is playing the outfield right now. Eventually, Reese Hoskins probably gets moved back to first base. We'll see. But I don't think you can blame him playing left field for him not hitting. I really don't. And Reese Hoskins, he's got to turn it around. He needs to turn it around. It's getting a little concerning. Like I said, Memorial Day is really, I think, the first big point of the MLB season. And, you know... It's, it's where you, you can kind of judge. It's more than just a slow start at this point. I think Reese Hoskins will turn it around, even though we don't know yet about his injury status. If you didn't see it, Reese Hoskins in the ninth inning last night, up with two outs, fouls a ball off his face. Ball got in on him from Kenley Jansen, who obviously throws incredibly hard. Jams him. Foul ball pops right up, hits him right in the mouth. So I don't know what Hoskins... Um, what his status is, I'd assume he misses at least a couple days here. I'd assume he won't be in the lineup when the Phils are going out there tonight. We'll see. But that could be a big loss and not at a time where, where, where you want it because you need Reese Hoskins to keep playing to get out of his slump. As I said on my show the other night on, on 94 WIP, sitting won't help him. He needs to keep playing to get out of this and Going to the DL right now would not be ideal. So hopefully, Reese Hoskins will be okay. We should get an update later in the day on his status. But a really rough loss last night. And, and the Phils, I love when they're out west. I I'm a person who stays up late. I'm a night owl. So I enjoy late night baseball. I love when the Phillies are playing the Dodgers at 10 o'clock. It it's just a great feeling. I mean, it reminds me of the shore, like, being down the shore in the summer watching late night West Coast baseball. I just love it. And it's a big period for the Phillies here. They really need to to get the offense going. A lot of these guys need to just show some more consistency. You've seen flashes from Franco. You've seen flashes from some of these guys. You need more consistency. And another thing I think they need to do at this point, Nick Williams needs to play more. I know his numbers as a starter haven't been great, but he needs more bats. I mean, what he's done off the bench, he's earned more at-bats in the starting lineup. And hey, if Reese Hoskins is out, Nick Williams is going to play more. Because right now, it's pretty much Reese Hoskins or Nick Williams or, or Aaron Altair play. The other one sits. But obviously, if Hoskins is out, they'll both be playing mostly every day. And But but if it's between Altair and Williams right now, I'd play Williams more. Altair's not, not hitting either. And at least Williams has shown the punch off the bench to, to warrant getting some more playing time. So we'll see. It's been a great start for the Phillies, 29-22 and 22 right now. But this next 10 days or so is critical for them. And I'm really excited to see how they respond. You can learn a lot about young teams in these kind of situations. And I am excited to see how they handle this, how they handle success. And now how they handle some failure. They were in first place the other day. They've now dropped the third behind Washington. And, you know, don't look at the division standings too much because I've said it the whole time. Washington's going to end up winning this division going away. They're far more talented than anybody else. 
they will end up winning this division going away. But the Phillies can compete for a wild card, and we'll see how they how they respond here. The month of June is going to be very interesting as they head toward the All-Star break. They've done a nice job so far, and we'll see if they can keep it going. I'm really interested to see how the road trip plays out. And that'll do it for uh, Trash Talk with TK. I am TK Tom Kelly. I'll be back on the air on 94WIP this uh, weekend, Saturday night into Sunday morning overnight. Also have the final out for you, uh, the Phillies postgame after the Phillies Giants on Saturday night. So be sure to tune in. Uh, it'll be one of my last shows before I go away to get married. I'll be away um, for uh, about 10 days. So no shows, no podcast for a little bit of time. As I go to Jamaica for my honeymoon after after I get married. But uh, I'll talk to you uh, down the line. Hopefully get a podcast in next week before I uh, go get married. Wish me luck with all that. Um, I'm going to need it. I'm bad in those kind of situations. I'll probably be really awkward. But hopefully it all works out. I am TK Tom Kelly. I'll talk to you guys next time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.